Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome back. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and let's first take a look at how the STI is performing this hour. It looks like it's right on the flat line. It's at zero percent, at three thousand two hundred and thirty-four points. Advancers are still outnumbering decliners, though two hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty-five, after one point eight six billion securities worth seven hundred and sixty-two million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. So of course, to give us a wrap of what has been happening in the markets, Jeff Howie, who's the market strategist at the SGX, joins us this afternoon. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks, Hong Bing. Good to be here. Hi. Okay, so the STI opened higher today, but since we're now in a new month, how did the STI perform last month? Did it fare better than other regional markets, or was it, you know, generally the same? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of uh, similarity across mm-hmm. the benchmarks. So the STI was down three percent in terms of total return for mm-hmm. the month. Broader market here in Singapore booked. Something like 400 million Sing dollars of net fund outflows. Mm. By comparison, uh, we did see the FTSE Developed Index generate flat equivalent Singapore dollar total returns for the month, mm-hmm. uh, and that was predominantly because of the appreciation of the US dollar. So uh, that remember the the FTSE Developed Index was the one that we kind of benchmarked ourselves to last year and outperformed mm. it. Uh, so the, last month it was a, like a, a 3% underperformance here at home in Singapore, predominantly because of the tech shares were a little firmer in the US and in the West uh, in the month of in the month of Feb. So what, what drove that US dollar a bit higher was the outlook for more persistent inflation in the US. Mm-hmm. So, so our uh, expectations now for the next... Uh, Federal Reserve meeting in a little under three weeks. Yeah, it's it's we it's now we expect seventy percent expectations for a twenty five basis point hike, mm-hmm. or thirty percent expectations for a fifty basis hike. Now that's that's quite a bit more hawkish than where we were at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Expectations were for fifteen percent for no change for a right. pivot, and then eighty five percent expectations for twenty five bibs. So we've definitely morphed into majority expectations. To uh, expecting a definitely expecting at least a twenty five basis point hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah, sorry. And now they're saying that it will peak at six percent, right? More. Oh, no, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course there'll be a headline that'll that, yeah, why not say eight or ten? You know, you know, it get it uh, it attract even more clicks. Mm-hmm. But at the moment. Uh, the expectations are that the peak rate will be around the uh, around the five and a half, five mm. three quarter, okay. four, four quarter level thereabouts. Um, that's and that's that's in June. Mm. So there's a lot of data to come in before then. It, obviously, the outlook's really super fluid, um, and it, it is also meaning that the ten year U.S. Treasury yields have also increased with these expectations. So. The 10-year U.S. US Treasury yield, uh, it got some headlines this morning because the 30-year has ticked above 4% in terms of Mm -hmm. yield. But for the 10-year benchmark yields, they are um, up close to 50 basis points over the month to near 4%. And that's with the U.S. dollar, of course, gaining 
3%. So uh, equities, yeah, a little bit of a more narrower band, uh, generally lower to flat, uh, and the IHS read index was amongst that with a 2% decline for the whole month of Feb. Mm-mm. Okay, okay. And some are saying there will be uh, March madness or rather, you know, more volatility this month. What's your outlook like for markets this month? Yeah, look, I, I can understand. I don't, I don't know if I use the word madness, but I can <laughs> definitely understand the volatility because if you mm. look at the STI for the last three years, the biggest monthly ranges have actually all been in the month of March. Uh, but there's multiple factors at work for that. Um, I guess it does make sense somewhat to have uh, markets a little bit more on the move because, remember, we do go into each new year with a refreshed outlook and uh, and over the first two months you have your data streams, your preliminary numbers start to come through mm-hmm. and investors generally assess uh, and adjust their portfolios according to, I guess, any gaps between what the anticipations were and what the facts are. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this, I guess what's a little different this year is that consumer cyclical has been um, the second strongest performing sector across mm-hmm. the globe so far this year uh, after the tech sector. And I guess uh, in, in parallel and in line with that in Singapore, the consumer cyclical and technical sector in our stock market have also booked the highest net fund inflows so far this year. Okay, okay. So now focusing more on this week, though, who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? Yeah, um, I guess very much earnings driven, and mm-hmm. just to I guess to uh, you know go go, go one better, uh, the FTSE ST all share it comprises of the thirty STI stocks, but there's also another seventy to eighty small to mid cap stocks. And if you look at those one hundred plus stocks, you look at the top performers and the least performers. It was definitely earnings that set the stage for those outlier performances. So the two stocks that led our FTSE ST All Share Index this week with double-digit percentage gains, they all reported results. Uh, mm-hmm. Prior to the 28th of Feb open, you saw Delphi book profit increase something like close to 70% to around, what was it, 44 million US dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Delphi manufacture and distribute these consumer products that are sold in multiple countries, I think 17 countries in, in total. And uh, it was... I guess the the strongest performer of the all share in the in the index post those results with a fifteen percent gain, uh, ninety three cents to a dollar six. And then prior also to the twenty eighth of Feb open, we had Propnex report its fourth quarter net profit was up twenty three percent year on year. Mm-hmm. Its FY twenty two revenue surpassed one billion sing, and that was attributed to the robust residential resale and rental market. So that stock was up eleven percent this week. Um, and on the other side though, Jatfa did lead the FTSE All mm. Share Index decliners for the week. It's declined something like 19% through to the to, through to the lunch close in, in the course of this week. And that was uh, after it posted a net loss of 36 million US in the second half, which reversed a net profit in the in the of 300,000 uh, US dollars in the in the second half before. But it it brought its net profit down to eight million US dollars for the year. It was mm-hmm. attributed to these higher raw material costs combined with, of course, limited increases in the average selling prices. So uh, with those numbers, management did note some cautious optimism, I guess, for the 
of prospects for staple protein consumption and obviously the reopening of China expected to help as well. Okay, okay. And, you know, there's been several economic data out in the region that have also moved regional markets this week, including Asia's factory activity, and which showed China is a bright spot. What stood out to you? Yeah, I guess I guess exactly that, Hong Lin, mm-hmm. what you just said. Uh, China impacting the region's activity, both in factory industrial production, mm-hmm. uh, manufacturing uh, sentiment gauges, and, of course, trade numbers. You know, it was only recently the IMF put out its recent economic outlook for actual Asia-Pacific, and it showed that for every 1% point of higher GDP growth in China, output in the rest of Asia rises by three-tenths of a percent with that impact. And, and the, the recent MAS semi-annual brief as well on the Singh economy did note that China's reopening will provide a boost primarily through tourism. However, mm-hmm. the impact on regional goods trade is expected to be more muted and insufficient to offset the weaker G3 demand. And that mm-hmm. was attributed to the lower import intensity of consumer spending which is expected to drive China's growth this year. So, um, yeah, a number of numbers. Like, like uh, case in point, right, is during Feb, Singapore's Nautics and industrial production, mm-hmm. they both contracted year on year in January. Similarly, South Korea and Taiwan exports mm-hmm. were down in January year on year. Uh, however, on the 1st of March, I think it was, yep, it was. We just recently, just this week, we had South Korea's Feb exports contracting still, but by less. Uh, mm. than they had seen. And we've got Feb Taiwan exports due next week to mm. keep this story going. And I guess, you know, the Feb PMI for Singapore was back at the 50 threshold. Taiwan and South Korea PMIs uh, were also no worse from their January levels for Feb, but they those two still remain below the 50 expansion threshold. So there's still a lot to see in uh, in trade, factory and sentiment type of indicators for the big wholesale trade and manufacturing segments that are a really big core, still part of uh, APAC. Okay, okay. And on the topic of China, though, China's annual two-session gathering is set to kick off this weekend, where we can find clues on what's next for China's economy, right? What should investors look out for during this event? Well, I I guess the two key events, the uh, Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, the CPPCs on Saturday, mm-hmm. then the the, N, the the NPC National People Congress begins on Sunday, mm. and these take a good seven days uh, right. thereabouts. If you look at the previous years, so things to expect and look out for: senior leadership appointments, and on the economic front, the projections will also be really important. I think it was last year mm-hmm. at the uh, at the Congress um, that the 5.5 and a half percent growth target. last year was announced when growth actually came in at three percent so i think expectations now are around uh possibly for a five percent target to be touted but the economic reforms Mm -hmm. uh and economic support that is announced and uh potentially playing this role to support this growth will be really important as well as an aspect of institutional reform which has been um spoken up more and discussed more in the headlines ahead of this uh ahead of this this big event but uh yeah it begins begins this weekend okay okay and it seems like that would be one of the biggest movers moving markets next week right yeah but i guess it is um but we've also got a lot on central banks next week so so what should we look out for next yeah (laughs) fed reserve chair 
Chairman Powell. He mm-hmm. has congressional testimonies scheduled in the mm-hmm. week ahead. The Senate Banking Committee will be at 11.30pm on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then the House Financial Services Committee will be at 11pm uh, on Wednesday. Okay. And, and, and that's where we're going to have the chair talk and provide insights on rate trajectories, the labour market, debt mm-hmm. ceiling will be uh, obviously also discussed. And then FOMC blackout period starts to take effect from mm-hmm. from Saturday, next Saturday, the 11th of March, right through to that 22nd of March FOMC that mm-hmm. we discussed before. Uh, the Fed's also going to uh, potentially release the semi-annual monetary pol- policy report mm-hmm. publicly during the week as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So employment data is usually, remember, the first Friday of the night in the U.S., but not right. this week. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be on the 10th of March, and okay. uh, we can talk about that next week. But we've also got the BOJ, I should say, mm-hmm. the last BOJ monetary policy meeting for the uh, current uh, in current, current governor of Kuroda before the, the, the uh, new... Uh, Governor yeah. Ida takes mm-hmm. takes the helm, mm-hmm. and then you've got the RBA and BNM also meeting. BNM will be really important. It meets on the 9th of March. Majority of expectations are for the uh, overnight policy rate to mm-hmm. remain unchanged um, because remember it had its first it had a pivot back in January. So central banks very much um, going to be the focus, I guess, as as the earnings season starts to starts to hit hit the end of the uh, the. The, the reporting slate as well. Well, it seems like another heavy week next week as well. Yeah, totally. And it matters a lot because mm-hmm. we bring up this Fed Reserve and so forth uh, quite a bit, Hong Bin, but it does matter because we, we saw, as we saw with the banks reporting uh, recently, the mm-hmm. net interest income uh, driven by loan growth and net interest margins makes up more than two-thirds of the banking total income. Mm-hmm. And the, the banks themselves make up you know, close to twenty between twenty five and thirty percent of our day to day turnover. So it means that there's a there's a lot of the flow going into the Singapore stock market that uh, is following interest rate outlooks very very mm-hmm. closely, and the interest rate outlooks are very fluid. and And for that reason, over the past two months, we've actually seen DBS, OCBC, and UOB average 1.2% daily price ranges. Um, So plenty to watch uh, and never a dull moment. Okay, well, thank you so much again, Jeff. Thanks, Hongbin. Thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.